Welcome to the new media show. We're back. Doing the new media show again. People are actually going to listen to this junk. We do it live. We're live right now. We'll just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We just can't get enough. The new media show. Let's go. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. Bada bing, bada boom. The new media show. We do it live. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We're going live. The new media show. I'm like Adam Curry, and you're more like John C. Dvorak. I think I am Adam Curry, and you're the old curmudgeon. We do it live. Doing the new media show again. The new media show. Technology. We make it sound so special. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new media show, of course. Uh, Welcome to my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing terrific, Todd. It's great to be here. Yeah. Be back doing the show. So uh, big, big, big things going on in the world, and it is affecting podcasting a little bit. Of course. Anything that happens in the world ultimately affects podcasting to some degree, right? So I don't know about... It's just a reflection of what's happening in the world. Yes. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm fielding emails from Russian podcasters (laughs) that have been cut off from their financial institutions that are trying to figure out how they are going to pay their hosting bills. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. And, um, it's not a flood yet, but it's a steady trickle of shows that are coming up on, we, you know, we do our renewals as they come up in the month. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we actually had to have a, have a meeting about it. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, so we went and actually looked, and what we're do- what we are doing is we're looking at each show, and if it's a just a podcaster, then you know, if they're doing a tech show, if they're doing a science show, or whatever it may be, right. we're trying to help them get, figure out a way to make a payment, uh-huh. and um, but. Thus far, I have not run up against any political commentary, uh-huh. news, organizational podcast that would be spreading misinformation. So we're uh, we're doing doing case by case on figuring out what to do. Have you guys run into this over there yet? I I haven't heard about it directly, but then of course I'm not in. that much involved in the support side. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily hear about things like that too much, um, just because of our organization and how it works. But, um, but I'm not surprised, you know, I know a lot of those financial institutions have been kind of squeezed and. Well, they got squeezed. They, they shot them off. Yeah. 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 Right. It's things are getting a little, little, mm, it's crazy in the world right now. Yeah, I guess it's been that way for a while. So, <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know, and and our, the way we kind of looked at it was, you know, some people have just pulled out completely, and I understand the the thoughts there, but I would imagine the majority of content creators, first of all, if they're willing to do a podcast right now in Russia, and they're probably being very, 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 very careful on anything they say. Well, my son actually lives in Sochi, Russia. So I've been talking to him too. I mean, he's got two, two kids um, that are dual citizens. Um, so he's, I've done a, 
think last week I was on like an hour and a half call with him, um, talking about what's going on there. Cause he's actually within probably an hour and a half of the Ukraine border. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's not really seeing much where he's at, but I think that the, the interesting thing about it is what, what the Russian citizens are being told right. uh, in their media about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, it's, there's some discrepancy between <laughs> oh, what yeah. they're being told and, and what we're seeing in the yeah. media. Uh, so I, you know, that's what I kind of talked to him about. I go, well, you know, are you sure what you're being told? And <laughs> I mean, I mean, his comments, uh, is that, yeah, he doesn't really trust anything that he's hearing. So, and I think that's probably a good, good, that's probably a good way to look at it. Um, there's just like anything else, there's agendas, right? Um, you're going to be told what somebody wants you to know. Right. Um, so unfortunately that's the situation, but I am a little worried about him. You know, he's, he's in a country where he, he doesn't really have citizenship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so. So he has to be really careful. Doesn't want to get on the radar of anyone, obviously. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's the risk you run when you live in any country that has really, there isn't to an extent, there is not free right. speech. Right. And, well, I mean, his whole profession is he's an English teacher. So he's, <laughs> <laughs> so he's teaching English uh, to, to people in, in, in Russia and people that are, that are non-English speakers. Um, so, yeah. So he's kind of caught in the middle of that. So he's doing a lot of on online stuff. But, so but anyway, yeah, we so, should talk about podcasting a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think from going back to those content creators, you know, a lot of those yeah. gig, those folks have gig workers, everything else have been cut off because yeah. of the cancel. But I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where you're trying to make sure that you're not the source of misinformation going out, but at the same time, if it's an independent podcaster, that's not part of a, um, a Russian news agency like RT or somebody like that, then, um, you know, we don't have any of those types of accounts. I'm sure someone does, but I guess it, it does raise an interesting thing. Most people would say, cut them all off, you know? And, right. and again, that's, that's, that it gets tricky there when you're you know especially when you have well and part of it too is like um some have asked their audience members to pay the bill that to live outside their country to make sure that oh, their their right. service stays online right because they have no way to pay mastercard visa paypal amex of all you know been so cut. they've wow. been cut so they can't pay their bill even if they wanted to so mm-hmm. that therein lies the the challenge but i i I wondered if it was going to pop up and the first ticket came in a couple of days ago and I was like, Oh, and I said, well, we're going to have to have a discussion about this. And, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a interesting time, but probably more interesting is the announcement that came out this morning about YouTube, YouTube podcast going to be at podcast movement. Oh, good. Good. They're yeah. Gonna... I hadn't heard that yet. So that, that's awesome news. I'm not surprised. Yeah, they're going to be uh, a special session. Is there a special? They're going to have a oh, like a keynote kind of a uh, fireside uh, chat. It's I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be a key keynote or something, but it makes you go hmm. You know anything yeah. about that, Rob? Anything about YouTube? Well, 
YouTube has been involved in podcasting for a very long time. Um, it's just to what extent uh, is really the question at this point. So I don't. It's going to be interesting to see what they they announce. I, I don't have any inside track into anything that I can e- even mention here. So, right. Right. Yeah. So it's it's. I think it's it's good. You know wh- whether or not it's really part of YouTube <laughs> right. is the question. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not really video, right? So, no. So, right. and they're talking about offering podcasters up to $50,000 in startup costs to do video. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you look at this, uh, that ain't going to cover it. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> to for do some, well for some, I yeah. mean, I mean, it's not that expensive to get a, get a SLR camera and get a, get an adapter that but the, if it's a, in, yeah, right. it depends if it's a solo show or multiples or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think it gets back to the the bigger topic of the, you know, and we've been talking about this off and on on the show, is the professionalization of podcasting is definitely in full swing. And that that involves video, too. I think more and more creators are, you know, doing that, um, adding video to what they're doing. I know, you know, w- w- we've been doing it with this show for a very long time. It's just, um, I just think more creators are, using like a Riverside or a StreamYard mm-hmm. or even Zoom to some degree to do their whole recording and production. Um, take the audio out of that, take the video out of that, and guess what? You've got a complete show. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's time will tell on, on how this develops, but it's yeah. just like everyone's on the podcasting bandwagon right now, and they yeah. got, they got to get a piece. So it, it is an interesting interesting that they're going to yeah. be coming and talking being that we've heard nothing from Google podcasts. So it's a, looks to me like Google podcast is just pretty much extinct. It's it by name only, but yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard to say, um, it's not gone away. It's no, just doesn't appear that it's making any significant forward progress, um, at this point, but that just could be a matter of time before we see that. Um, but one of the topics I wanted to talk about on the show today was um, Tom Webster's article from last uh, Friday uh, talking about uh, podcast advertising. I don't know if oh, you read yeah. that article. I didn't Tom. didn't read it, but I got the gist from the tweets I saw. Right, right. About uh, in this is this is an alarm that you and I have been raising in the podcast space for a couple of years now, uh, because we were starting to see glimpse in the Edison research that, uh, you know, at the time, this is an honest perspective on it, that, uh, it was being downplayed in the data, but it was clearly a trend line that was starting to form around, um, audiences starting to object to ad load, mm-hmm. uh, in, in podcasting. And, and I think at the time we actually expressed that we said, you know, I think it is time for us to start paying attention to this, um, and, and realizing that there is a threshold here that once we cross, then we start offending audiences and, and, um, going against what the foundation of this medium was really built on is less commercialism. Right. You you know, it's a, I mean, yeah, I'm know, not against it, advertising. Now, I'm just against too much of it. Well, I wish a whole bunch of people would start just beating the drum here because 
I, I've been beating this drum for. I know you have. Ten, oh have. my God, a long time. And yeah. basically, this ongoing refusal for media buyers to look down. They look at the oh, three. Yeah. They look at the three percent. Right. And they ignore the ninety-seven, the other percent. And really, yeah. that's not ninety-seven. It's more like forty-seven percent because fifty percent of shows don't want any advertising. So it's about forty-seven percent that probably could use some take mama to dinner money or car payment money or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. They're a partner, whatever it is, and so they've they've gotten complacent in saying, "Well, we'll just add more load to, to the existing to cool the existing stuff," and right. you know. It's, and guess what? Most of those folks that are running shows of these heavy loads are corporate shows. They're big corporations. They, they don't care. I'm going to say this. They don't care about the listener. They, they care about how many ads are going to be in that content, just like television. Mm -hmm. They really don't care about the audience. The host may but the hosts have no choice on the majority of those shows that have heavy ad loads or the hosts are, well, let's just be frank. Ching-ching, cha-ching, 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 ring the cash register, right? I don't, I don't blame anyone for wanting to make money for their show, but if you're running three pre-rolls, four pre-rolls, two or three mid-rolls, and your ad load seven or eight or whatever it may be at the right. upper end, right? You know, come on, it's you're now you're you're impacting you know whatever way you want to put it, you're impacting your audience, and the effectiveness of the ads has to be going down because people. I would be hitting fast forward thirty seconds, mm-hmm. bing, yep. bing, 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 till I got into where they were talking, and then as soon as they went to another ad, get so pissed off, I'd hit. Fast forward 30 seconds again. Right. right. And the more kind of commercial podcasts out there, um, procasts or whatever you want to say, corporate podcasts come in there. Um, those type of organizations typically have a higher priority around revenue, right? So that, that drives a interest in driving as much revenue as you can from the, the content. It's the same thing that's been happening in video, same thing that's been happening on YouTube, it's same thing. It's I mean, it happens everywhere, and it, in um, commercial radio. I mean, look how many minutes of advertisements in commercial radio. It's up to sixteen minutes an hour, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot if you think about it. I mean, can you imagine Todd having sixteen minutes of ads in an hour long podcast? I, I, it's beyond comprehension that that would be an acceptable thing to do. But is that the direction this is going? Well, until the media buyers start looking down it that's right. what's going to be the case buying across larger numbers of shows right. diminishes the pressure to load up on the existing smaller pool of shows that they're currently buying right i agree with you but most of them can't see the grass from the trees you know it's yeah but is it up to us really to develop um technologies that make it easier for them to to do that and i i do believe that the industry's pushing in that direction i think um, I mean, obviously programmatic helps and hurts at the same time. Um, the programmatic ad buying platforms does democratize across 
buys across larger numbers of shows because it makes it easier. Um, but yet it also makes it easier to overload too. Mm-hmm. So that's the other, that's the other end of that spectrum. It's, it's a situation where you're damned if you do damned if you don't. And we, in my opinion, I, I've lost faith in media buyers to buy into smaller shows, a normal host red ad. They just, they just, you know, we did it for, you know, the beginning, this is the thing is, you know, I don't have to go over the people listening to the show know that this is what we did. What my company did in the right. early days, you know, we had four or 500 right. shows on an ad buy. Yeah, and it was, I remember those days. and yeah. we managed, I managed it, you know, did the spot checks, did the, reporting, send out the weekly status reports. We build a system to do that. Yeah. You know, and matter of fact, because this isn't happening anymore, I've kept a low priority on updating my system because if, you know, if it's not bringing in a, you know, a, a number, a significant number of year, I'm not going right. to put dev resources. It works. It still is. It's still there, but it right. hasn't had a GUI update or anything, you know? So, uh, yeah. I am working yeah. on other stuff, but it's uh, where we think we can make an impact. But yeah, and I do think that uh, what's happening right now is the convergence of all of the types of uh, podcast advertising. Now you've got the the baked in host reads, you've got dynamically inserted capable host reads, you've got uh, pre recorded dynamically inserted, which is part of programmatic. Um, and you combine all those together and yeah, I have to admit there's a lot of revenue opportunity there for larger shows, right? If you load them up, right. Right. If you load them up and then, and and then on top of that, some of the platforms, some of the listening platforms want to add, you know, their own pre-roll to what you're doing. Right. So there's Spotify, there's right. There's pressure. Uh, it's not just Spotify, but there's pressure for the listening platforms to monetize as well as, you know, the programmatic stuff usually lives with the hosting platforms and then the, the baked in or the dynamically inserted host reads are also part of the hosting platforms too. Um, but you combine all those together. So let's say you have an early mid roll with two 15 or 30 second spots. Uh, and then you have a, a host read, a baked in or dynamically inserted host read at the midpoint of the content. That's probably a minute, a minute and a half. And then you get a couple at the, um, toward the middle of the end of the episode with a couple of 15 to 30 second spots. And you know, you've got four or five minutes of, of, um, ads in your show. And that should be about the maximum that any show should have. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I, it just seems like it's starting to show up in the research data. And I think, um, Tom was right to, uh, call attention to it. Uh, I think it's been coming and yeah. it's time. But the question is, will it change anything? So I think what, I will- think for some companies, I don't think it will. I think for other ones that really care about their, it depends on who their customers are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it really cuts, comes down to that. Who's your customer? Is yeah. it the listener or is it the advertiser? I suspect that the only thing that will make that will make a podcaster 
or audience. Um, excuse, let me start this over. The only thing will make a podcaster change the ad is when they start losing listeners. That's the only thing that's going to drive a change in this. Yeah, but how are they going to know when the advertising load does that versus maybe a topic or content that they covered that wasn't as interesting? Uh, I think that it's pretty easy to see. I, I've, you know, I know my, okay, so my show, my tech show, mm-hmm. when I was running 70 minutes, I could do two ads and, and not have pushback from the audience. As soon as I went to three, they become very vocal and I actually saw my numbers drop off, people leaving. Mm-hmm. So I know that my show that I do is can handle two. And that's what I'm running right now. I'm running two ads. Mm-hmm. I'm running a pre and a mid. And oh, so that's it. That's all I, and the, and the pre is 30 seconds. Sometimes it's 15. And then the mid is the standard host red that is baked in. So mm-hmm. I know my show. And, and if you're a paid podcaster and it's not your show, you're just, because some of these folks are, they are paid talent for right. a, for a group. So they really are just, you know, like, unlike you and I, you and I are the owners, the producers, the creators, we, we, we were the general motor and we're the talent, our general manager, we're in the talent, we're everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas a podcaster that is maybe on contract for, to do a show for a couple of years, they're paid talent. They do what they're told. They don't care about the, the audience thing may not be as important to them. So. Yeah. Plus Todd, I'm hearing, um, more and more shows talk about speaking about audiences and growing audiences. I think that there's, we've reached a threshold. I think where some, uh, podcasters are starting to think that the only way that they can grow to large audiences now is if they run paid advertising. <laughs> I don't a, know if you've you've started to hear that um, uh, that's, as well. That is okay. Good luck with that. If you're, if you're a brand new podcaster and you are... Well, I'm not saying brand new ones, but ones that have a show that if it had more exposure, it would grow, right? So... Oh, I think it's oh, run paid I mean, advertising at, for their show. Right. Oh. Advertising their show on other podcasts. Oh, well, right? yeah, we've, we, t- I didn't, we talk about that a little bit where you do an episode dump where we dump someone else's show into our feed. Well, that's yeah. part of that, yeah. right? That's part of it, but literally running an ad in, in a group of other shows that are in your, probably in their, your genre that are compatible, but not if you can, if you can, if you can get them to, to run to run the ad right right yep i've heard some cases that are talking about that i i know jordan harbinger or of the jordan harbinger show I, he, he he spends like 40,000 a month on advertising his show right and he's been able to scale his audience quite large and get a multi-million dollar contract on on, on doing that so you know, it's, I mean, it helps to have a lot of revenue coming in before you do that, 
uh, mm-hmm. else you're, you're doing a bunch of investment in, uh, ad buying in the hopes that you're going to grow your audience. But I think it gets back to, you have to evaluate, are you going to spend, you know, $10,000 to run ads in your show? Um, you, you need to be pretty confident that the show that you're producing will pick up audience right. based on that. Right. I have Plus found throwing your money away. I have found it very hard to get other podcasters to advertise other podcasts. And the only way you can do that is if they are part of a network and the nor- network takes the ad. Individual podcasters generally say, no, I don't want to advertise another show. Right. So I tend to agree with that. I, I think that's one of the, the core values of being a part of, of a network, mm-hmm. right? Is that ability to cross promote? Well, it's not just that it's, he's not just cross promoting within a network. He's buying into other, networks, other shows, but he's, o- not, other I, bet networks, he, right. I bet he's not doing it into a, I don't bet he can't go to, he couldn't come to us. He could come to us and say, Todd would drive. Will you run my promo for my show? Will you run an ad spot? You and I might say yes. Cause it's right. not a different, it's a different genre, but most shows are very, I, I've had Protective. very little success right. in running, uh, you well, know, especially on the promo swaps. Right. I think if you think about the history of it, I know you tried to do it in the early sure. days too, of running promo swaps, but those were free exchanges. That's right. right. That's you right. run it in mine, I'll run it in yep. yours yep. and both people get, hopefully get a benefit out right. of it. The, the question gets back to is any show that you advertise on another show, uh, it needs to be fairly non-competitive, but the same type of listener, right? So mm-hmm. the, the goal there is to get that listener to that other show to add your show, right? right. Not replace the other, right? So if you can, you know, add two, then that's a benefit for both podcasts. Um, because the show that's running the ad gets right. the benefit of the ad buy. And then the show that's buying the ad got, picks up a new listener that but in, yeah. in my, but again, going back to Joe Smith comes to me with a, or Sally or how, whoever comes to me, show X, Y, Z comes to me and says, we want to buy into shows of our genre. Mm-hmm. And then I go and dig out the 50 or a hundred that I think would be a good fit. And then we approach those 50 or 100 podcasts and say, Hey, X, Y, Z wants to do an ad in your show. And I mean, rarely do I get enough shows to justify running the ad because most of those say no. Whereas if you're an individual that wants to advertise another podcast and you go to the network, the network decides who's going to, the network just tells the host, you have to run the ad. Right. You know, and whether you like it or not. So that is where probably people are buying in. I don't buy into this idea that if someone came to me and said it was another tech show and wants to advertise in my tech show, I'm going to be looking at that tech show very closely. Number one, do I trust that person? Do I want to be aligned? Can I Mm -hmm. endorse? You know, what's the impact going to be? I've been in the space long enough that I would probably run the ad, but most podcasters are not in a position or in the same mindset that I am in understanding the value where I would probably tell that podcaster, sure, I'll do a swap with you. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's do a swap. Let's not do a, you don't have to buy in. Let's just do a swap. But then, then you get the thing where maybe the other person doesn't want to do a swap. 
Yeah, that's true. So, Todd, what are you hearing about uh, Twitter and podcasting? Uh, just the same rumors you did. <laughs> and then, you know, LinkedIn, is, there's rumors around them. And, and then there's stuff brewing around TikTok. And there's, there's lots of interesting things that are being speculated right now. And then you throw into the mix YouTube on top of that. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you're, you're right. Podcasting is kind of a hot thing right now. Um, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Right. And it's good. And it's starting to narrow cast too. And we already predicted this, that it would start going into apps that had, you know, science, music, whatever the general topicality, they would start bringing in a line. Gender. I mean, gender aligned. Right apps uh themed apps all, all that stuff i think is is the next thing because we're getting very close to large platform saturation here um i think we'll be in that probably within the next year so where do you go from there uh from niche yeah i guess yeah time will tell yeah. where, where it leads right uh, That's true. and amy honest with you it's just like I, I'm watching what's going on with the space, but I'm more focused right now on, you know, l- making sure that individual podcasters have the tools they need to grow their shows. Yeah, it's a serious issue. It's it's it the is. most serious issue for the at, for for your independent content creator. How do I grow my show? I, I, it's the number one question. Number one, question. by far. And then after that is well, <laughs> you know. How can I make money doing the show? I don't hear that as much. Two topics are related to each other. Yeah. Right. And I do see some shows that I've been talking to recently that they're preparing for advertising. They're, they know they're going to have it at some point and they're starting to do pre-planning on shows that have enough vision are thinking about, okay, let's, let's make sure we have the core right. And then let's maybe five months from now think about, can we, can we move right. into advertising? I agree with that philosophy. I, I think some shows start that would never like, you know, a good example is this one. You know, we don't, we don't aggressively go after advertising, no. but I think we're open to it, but sure. I just don't think we, we aggressively go after it. No. Um, and I don't think we ever have really mm-hmm. focused on that, but, um, I think it's not a bad strategy to, to say, you know, I want this show to generate revenue at some mm-hmm. point and I'm going to build in markers or I'm going to build in transitions between segments that at some point maybe can be plugged into programmatic advertising at some point. Right. Um, I think pr- programmatic advertising isn't so much, uh, should be demonized as a, as a bad player. It's not so much a technology issue. It's, it's more, um, it's just, it's really easy to add too much. And I think that's, that's really where the issue is. And I think that the, the host reads is really the foundation of podcast advertising because of the, the, um, authenticity elements of it and the believability elements. I, I think regular pre-produced ads, um, are lacking that. And I think that the advertiser realizes that and they're willing to pay a little less for that. So, um, but it's going to be interesting to see 
And it's a content question too. And I know we've talked about that a lot over the years too, is how are these ads produced? You know, I don't know what you think about that now, Todd, as you've, as we move into this more advanced stage. Uh, I really don't have an answer for it at this yeah, point. I, I, th I think each show has to evaluate it um, for themselves. I did also notice, and you saw it in the headlines too, about Amazon with their, I guess they have a live radio app that they're working on called AMP. So it's interesting what Amazon's up to. Yeah. It's, I, I got a uh, email from uh, somebody at, well, I'll say, I won't say who, and uh, they were mightily upset that they couldn't participate in the podcast awards because they don't have an RSS feed. <laughs> and they said, we're a podcast. And I'm like, well, not by definition. You're my definition. You're not. But, you know, right. they, and they, they were bamboozled and, and they didn't really know. They didn't even know. The person I was talking to was a PR person. They didn't even know that, you know, an RSS feed was, is the heart of podcasting. So. Really? That seems a little odd, doesn't it? Well, you? if you're working for a company that doesn't have RSS feeds and you call everything you're doing within your platform a podcast, well, you don't. Because you're thinking, yeah. well, you know, we, we have podcasts. What are you talking about? We have podcasts. Yeah, I guess it, yeah. I mean, Todd, I guess it really speaks to the same thing that um, Tom Webster has been saying for a long time about podcasting is that it's, you know, the perception of the, the medium has expanded to yeah. include. Yeah. Uh, non RSS based distribution. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I, I think that's just a fact of reality now that we just yeah. have to accept. I mean, even though we don't may, you know, really like to accept that, yeah. but <laughs> and I don't necessarily like to turn down their money, you know, because right. we can use the, but at the right. same point, uh, you know, it's, I think it's good to try to stay as pure as we can, as long as we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Todd, have you been th thinking all about this, uh, um, James Boggs and team project, uh, the Spooler project about what they're, what they're up to? Not to be, to be kind of frank. Uh, it was interesting to read the article. We talked a bit, a little bit about it last week, but I'm yeah. like, it's a niche product for a niche group of podcasters that will, I, I think they've, they built something that largely doesn't need to exist. Yeah. That, and, and I'm just kind of being frank. It, it, here's the, <laughs> I've been in this space long enough. Right. I have built products for the 3% or 2% right. or 1%. Right. And guess what? You can't make no money. Right. When you build for the 2% or 1% or 3%. You can't. You can't make no money now. If you, if you if your business model is working with the top three percent of shows, that's a different story, right? But if you're building a feature, you're building a platform to only take care of the top one or two percent, or not even top one or two percent of shows that might be able to use this. Uh, it's going to be short lived. Yeah, I don't well, know. I think what, it's. I mean, what's What's fascinating about it to me is that it's it's really tapping into something that I've realized about dynamic insertion uh, for a long time is it can be utilized for 
more than just ads, right? Um, it can be utilized for more than just advertising. And, well, and I think that's kind of a little bit of the concept that they're going with here is being able to, to kind of thread this line between how we've basically experienced public radio, right? So when you think of the, the top of the hour news with public radio, right? It's been segments of stories, sure. right? That are streamed together that, that are, um, kind of read by an announcer back to back. Right. So I think what they're somewhat replicating here is the ability to be real time with news updates and to be able to feed content into this engine that dynamically, you know, stitches together content to create episodes that are almost, almost real time. I, I think it's almost like a way to thread the line between live content and on demand content. But again, I don't need that. I, and you know, yeah, because unless someone's going to have, if, unless they're going to back it up with a service that keeps feeding curated content that will go into my content continuously, I can't manage that. I don't have time to manage that. Now, what they've done, believe it or not, is no different than maybe even Anchor System, where you have a clip library. You record right. your content. And you you cl you use the clip in your clip library to make the rest of your show. So right. that, that has existed for a while. And, you know, you guys have got a new product that you guys bought that allows you to build a show with a clip library and all that stuff. Right. This is, this is not difficult. You just have to build the UI UX to be able to put these pieces together and, and melt, you know, basically stitch them together. And you've got a, an episode. The only difference that they added to that was the same episode being updated with new content throughout the day, but they're, they're betting, they're betting on that people are clicking play and not subscribing. Cause if you're subscribed, you're going to get one, one piece. You're not going to get an updated episode. There's no way to re-trigger a refreshing, a refresh, right, right, right. A refresh download. Yeah, I mean, unless you're you're just clicking play, if you're just clicking play and not caching anything, that's different. You are going to get a different right. episode, right? Tom yeah. says in our research, we don't count shows that don't have an RSS feed as a podcast. Tom Webster had a great point, huh? Wait, what? That mm -hmm. phrase makes me nervous. So <laughs> yes, thanks, Tom, for your input from the. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So no, I just, I, I think what they build is cool. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, can I how it will evolve and, and fit into the market. Is it, can I license it? That's what I want to know. I'll just license yeah. it. I'll just license it and make it available to the, you know, to the 10 or 15 shows that might be in my, you know, my repertoire that would want this. Cause right. it's not going to be that many. So maybe that's the play. Maybe I go and say, "Hey, let me, you know, let me, let me license it. You know, you you guys provide me a white label for this, and we'll we'll drop it in our system." I mean, it is a. I mean, in concept, I guess it's similar to to like the daily or the gist or anything like that. You can kind of see how it would be kind of similar to that, right? But again, the daily. I mean, yeah, they got a staff, but. I know they're it's not going to sit. They're not right. going to sit there and rebuild that thing ten times a day. But they could, right? They're not. If they had enough. 
enough uh, <laughs> talent and producers that could could but, bang out a two but, or three minute segment that but, could be added to the feed. But who cares? Make a new episode. Don't don't. Well, but but you are actually. No, right? you're not. You're not well, you're making. Kind of. Nope. Only for the people that press play. Right. So you got to build enough scale to make this work. Right. So I get. If they want to license it to me, shop me an email. Well, I'll look at licensing it on a per show basis, not because I'm not going to buy a hundred hundred show license and then have three shows use it. Hmm. That's the that's the model. Yeah. So I just I just, guess there's the danger of that, right? Uh, I agree with you that it that this this caters to a certain format. Oh, it ca- but yeah. But I think they're they're thinking this caters. I'll say wouldn't have done it. They think this caters to a much larger potential pool of shows. Well, they needed to hire wants to produce content and publish content in segments and dynamically stitch them together. They, they should have hired the Todd and Rob consulting company and we would have consulted them and saved them a lot of pain. Well, they've got, they've got a good team there that knows podcasting. This is why I don't understand why they build it. It it boggles my mind. I mean, they've got Andy Bowers. Great guy. He's he's a great guy. Very knowledgeable about podcasting. You know, been in the public radio side, been on, um, you know, worked with slates and has built news podcasts and worked with all that stuff. You know, Dan Benjamin, the only way this works is if it costs $5,000 a month to use and they have a hundred clients that use it. That's the, that's it, it. It has to be priced so high to make it work. Right. That's the key. And I see that they're doing sound optimization with Dolby IO too. Okay, which, I've tested that. I know we talked about this last week. Didn't, didn't we? t- yeah. Okay. Here's what I did with yeah. Dolby. Sorry, we sent them over a number of clips, unproduced, produced, and we had them run it through their thing, and they sent them back to us, and I had everyone listening doing A B A B A B. Sorry, uh, my, my money, my money's on Alphonic, not on Dolby. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not going to argue with that. That's for sure. So I guess, uh, this tool that they built c- could be used to, you know, update your RSS feed dynamically, you know, with a separate episode right, it could. all day long, it could. or I suppose it could be assembled into, let's say four segments, right. five segments could be. into one episode. Right. Could be. So, right. So there's, you know, how could that be used with an existing show, right? Is there something that, um, that this could be utilized in for, let's say this show, Rob, is there something that might work for this show? I, I, I'm, I work, I'm not sure. I work nine to whatever, <laughs> right? Dawn to dusk, right? No, I don't. I have a hard enough time getting this show done, getting it produced and getting it out within 24 hours to, <laughs> And this is something where you have to have your pulse. You have to be on it. You got to have the browser opened up and you have to have a source of content coming again. Well, it caters to it. Caters to larger media companies. Yep. And that's, it it does. But again, how many people are going to follow or subscribe to those shows? 
and then just getting it automatically. And I know what the numbers are. They're not as great as they used to be, you know, but still about 40% globally, about 40% of podcast listeners globally follow or subscribe to a show and it's downloaded automatically, completely, 100% delivered within two or three hours of the episode being released. Yeah, that's true. The other 60%, yep. Especially they, news content, right? Right. And some right. people are, yes, some people are clicking. There's more than 50% clicking play. And where are they clicking play? What apps? Well, there's a few apps that run higher on click play rates than others do. But Spotify. Right? Well, I like the conversation about Spotify that happened this week, too about the claim e-marketer had on their dominance and talk to podcast companies and talk to us. Dominance in that, that what you share with everybody. Uh, with it, it, you know, the, the essence, let me, let me go here see if I can find it. I don't want to talk about it incorrectly, but they essentially claimed, let me go down here see if I can find it. Uh, Basically, they made a claim that um, Spotify has um, is bigger than Apple Podcast. Oh, they've been making that claim about users yeah. for a long time, but yeah, they yeah. certainly can never claim that there's more downloads <laughs> happening in Spotify versus Apple. So, yeah. yeah. It says Spotify will widen lead over Apple Podcasts. That was the title. Spotify overtook Apple Podcasts so deceptive. as the biggest right. U.S. podcast platform when the Swedish company drew 28.3 million monthly U.S. listeners. 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 See, that's the thing. It's, it, it's a listener <coughs> number, not a consumption number. It's like a, what, four to one ratio in how many downloads move through Apple versus Spotify. So, so you can have a you know, 10 million listeners that listen to one episode right. a week right? and make that claim, right? Yeah. Or compare that to 1 million users on Apple that yep. download 10 episodes a week. Right. That's kind of what you're, the distinction you're talking about. So right? it's, it's yeah. definitely not apples to oranges, but you right. know, the 300 million or so downloads that we measure every month, you know, there is, you know, 8%. You know, eight okay. percent of that goes to Spotify. So, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, well, me. Okay. So again, listeners. Okay. Uh, I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, it's. But if you have Joe Rogan, it's making twelve point five million per episode. Listeners. Well, if they didn't have Joe Rogan, they couldn't even probably have this conversation at all. So, <laughs> right. It, it, and then, so Joe Rogan makes up half of this, no, nearly half of this 28 million. They got some other big players there, some big shows. Let's say that makes up another 5 million. So 17 million listeners. Right. Uh, oh, this is only monthly, 28.3 million monthly. Well, I'm going to have to run a report and see how many I'm going to have to do. I'm going to say it's if you look at a 24 hour period 
or maybe a three-day period, you can go and look at unique IPs and you can get a pretty good idea. You'd have to extrapolate it out. Can't look at it over 24, uh, 30 days because people's mobile IP changes too much, but maybe in just a 24-hour look and extrapolate that to 30 days, you could kind of figure out what the number of listeners on a daily basis an, an average platform has. You know, pick a day of the week, pick Tuesday, and look at all the unique IPs, divide that out on how, how many went to Apple, how many went to uh, Pocket Cast, how many went to Overcast, how many went to Spotify, how, you know, and break that out. And we can get a night, you maybe do three or four or five separate days and do a, a, an averaging. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get an idea where the number's at. There's no way eMarketer can know this data. They don't have this data. They don't have it. They're using other stuff to get this number. Right, right. The only people that can really, truly tell that story is you, me, Podbean, you know, all the different hosts. Right, that actually has the... Has the actual data. Actual real data. The real right. data. And right. it's still not going to be perfect. But if you do enough no. samples across the month, then you do 10 days. Because the problem, though, is is IPs change, so it gets more difficult. But you'd have to just do the percentages each day and then then look at it and average the percentages to be able to get a rough. Right. Hey, Todd, have you ever broken out um, on your platform or have a way to break out on your platform? Um, how many shows uh, have been created on a gender basis? Uh, like, like male hosted, female hosted, all that stuff. And we the reason I raised this is that, um, pod news had in here a listing, um, that I guess the, the Evox folks out of Spain, which is a, a fairly large Spanish based, uh, podcast hosting and listening platform has said that, um, uh, 43% of all podcasts created in 2021, on their platform, I said 43%, almost half, were created by women in 2021. We don't do a ask if someone's male, female, they're, they're, you know, they're, right. they're, if they're binary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that in my just, and this is I not. It's higher than that. I think so. <laughs> I think more than 50% are being created right. by women. Uh Tom says, you can't possibly address this by running a report on your hosting data. You don't measure the Spotify exclusive. No, we don't, but we can see. That's true. We can see outside of the, we can look at what, so let's, so yes, we'll have to define that report as average podcasters. You have to throw out the exclusives. Right. So that definitely is going to drive their listener number up. Right. Joe Rogan and there are other shows that are only hosted on their platform. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's so unless Spotify was willing to give us that data, which I doubt, but I just still don't think so. Not, you know, you guys are doing a heck of a lot more downloads a month than we are. Podbean is doing in the ecosphere. If I'm measuring 300 million, I can get a pretty good idea what it looks like for the average non-exclusive 
podcast or for listener audience share. We should be able to come up with that number. Because, you you know, until Spotify actually says Joe Rogan had 12.5 million listeners this month and, he, mm-hmm. and they come out and report that, then, you know, you can throw that in. You can factor that in. But right. anyone can post a number. I saw a number on a podcaster's website the other day that I laughed at. Podcast host website. And I'm like, I did the math. They were making a claim on number of episodes created from the time they've been in business. If, if you just do the math, divide the number they posted by the number of years they've been in business down to, you know, a daily number. Right. This, this company would have to be creating 60 million episodes a day. (laughs) that's not a trivial number that's not a trivial number and it's so it told me that the infograph they put on their website was total bullshit that they just made a number up no one did the math of this divided by this divided by this by this to come up with the average number of episode days and you're like "Eh, I don't think so I don't think so but it sure makes them, it sure looks, it's an impressive number. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, you know, when you start looking at claims, you know, at least try to get it within reason, like, like right. 60,000 episodes a day or, or, or 25,000 episodes a day or 50,000, not, not 60 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so um i saw in the news too that blueberry unveiled its new audience survey platform i well we've allowed us about that all right so we've been allowing podcasters do audience survey for years it's a basic demo survey 13 questions age you know, you're, are you married? Uh, how much do you make? And th- those basic questions, it's the, it's, it's the minimum, minimum get an idea of who's listening. Yeah, minimum amount of data. And we've right. had that in existence really since a platform existed. Right. So, um, what we did is we, we rebuilt it, modified, mm-hmm. cause some of the stuff that we were asking was like, we were asking questions that were a holdover from how much are you spending on the internet a year? You know, a thousand, uh, you know, I think our top thing was like 2,500 a year or something like that. You know, people are spending $2,500 a month on the internet a, a month right now. So, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, some of those questions really were not, you know, viable anymore. So we got rid of some of that stuff and then redid it. Long story short, what we're going to do is currently it's only exportable via CSV like it was, but my dev team is now working on a graphical representation of that data. So in our stats system, there's a new audience tab that when we roll the UX out, which will happen over the next month or so, is it will show your your split between male female mary it's going to give you a graphical view of that survey result and you'll be able to set a time basically you'll be able to set um you know in the last 90 days you know mm-hmm. the respondents for the last 90 days or the last year for me I, it, you know, i'll have to go and actually set time frames because i run the thing annually 
and the data changes from year to year. So we're, we've got to be able to see it all time or they can right. look at chunks of it and uh, that will be data that they'll be able to, um, it'll be in a form which they can pull right out and put in a media kit. So it's basically right in a, it's, it's an audience section and it'll be, have a graphical view of those results. They'll still be able to export it via CSV and, and look at it that way. But we added some other components to it where the person can do a shout out to the show mm -hmm. and give permission for that to be tweeted or they can tweet it themselves or post it to Facebook. So there's some social sharing functions within it for the audience member to be able to, to easily promote the show from within the end of the survey. And it's really the end of the survey is not really, it's just basically, do you have something to say to the host? And do you want to give them a shout out? And then the shout out is the one piece that will be able to be tweeted or sent to Facebook or whatever. So that's one of the things that we've been, you know, it's just, again, incremental stuff and making it easier for podcasters to understand and analyze their audience. Yeah. Hey, Todd, did you see this uh, new audio mixer that's come out? It, it's, it's out from a company called A10. Uh, it's called the Podcast AI Audio Mixer uh, Mic Live, which I guess it, it's got a bunch of uh, AI-optimized uh, audio enhancement uh, capability inside of this little mixer that I guess uh, dynamically modifies your or optimizes your your audio um, in 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 real time based on what it gathers from the quality of your audio I guess so so is AI it that, is is coming to lots of things it sounds like so it's the are you talking about the six channel UC 800 from a10 is that the one yep so all right I have got or, no it's the UC 8000 oh yeah UC 8000 sorry 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 Right. Um, let me bring this up on the screen. So I've got it. You can't see it, Rob, but I've got it up here. It says jingle pad saves eight sound effects. Okay. Sounds like the roadcaster, the auto ducking functions, lower background music. Anytime one speaks ensuring speakers voice is always heard. So it's got a ducking thing that the roadcaster doesn't have. Right. So the first AI optimized audio mixer enhances microphone audio quality with enhanced acoustic model, smart EQ. So anyone can have a real time high quality recording. And you can have six inputs. Let's see what else. XLR input, no USB. Yeah, so I'm curious what the smart EQ, how that really works. That's a term that's pretty common. Yeah. Smart EQ. So how can they use the term... Um, artificial intelligence here because it, that's that's what people do now to get buzzwords to sell stuff right <laughs> yeah and i mean i guess to some degree that's what the dolby io folks are doing too and that's what um many platforms are doing it uh, uh, doing this kind of stuff too to some degree you know even descript and as we're moving more and more into algorithms that can optimize and improve and do stuff more real time, I guess, but you know, $320. We've had this kind of stuff with compressors for a long right, time. Right? right. Right. But those are, those are usually based on hard coded settings though. Yeah. Right. So you turn a dial and that compression is based on what you that, have set it to right, be. Right there. 
It has, right. hasn't been touched in five years. The EQ, I did, as a matter of fact, I have a picture on my phone to make sure that if it ever gets bumped, I know where to go back to. Right. But if, <laughs> if there's AI involved or some sort of an algorithm involved, it can dynamically adjust based on what volume levels and, and different types of audio environments, right? Which you wouldn't typically have unless you're doing portable recordings. Yeah. Well, they got some code in there that does something based upon a certain amount of rules. and Right. Yeah. If so, anybody buys one of these, let us know what you think of it. I'm not going to go buy one. Yeah, I'm not. I've got plenty of gear. I'm, yeah. And I, got, I know you do too. Yeah, too much. <laughs> it's in, when t Nothing gets replaced until it breaks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, but I think it's interesting. I think we're, we are going to see more and more products like this and services that are claiming to be AI enabled more and more as I think we look to the future of podcasting. And I guess one of the things that we have to be clear is how is AI actually adding to, to this, uh, or is it just a buzzword? Right. I think it's, uh, you know, in a little device is three hundred and twenty dollars. It's it's code, <laughs> and uh, there's definitely not an AI inside this three hundred and twenty dollar six channel device with two inputs for XLRs. So I guess it depends on what you consider to be AI, right? What's what is artificial intelligence? Well, let's, let's what's the pure definition of it in this context? I yeah, guess. what does Google say here? Right. Um, is the ability of a computer or robot controlled by a computer to do tasks that are no, usually done by humans because they require human intelligence and discernment? Right. So I guess it's the ability of a computer or code to do tasks that are usually done by humans. So if you think about it, EQ and compression and all that is something I would normally dial in. Right. It's, it's, Via a setting on a right, dial, right. right? There's, there's levels mm -hmm. of compression, right? Yeah. So, but there's no, on, on those devices, there's no software that adjusts no, those no. levels. Right. And is that what, I think that's what we're talking about. Right. When, when I moved from Hawaii to here, and I went into a studio that was absolute quiet. I, you know, before I was in a spare bedroom in the back of the house and there would be a weed cause I had windows open cause I didn't have air, air con and there would be weed whackers running. And so I had my compression really heavy, had right. it really cranked up so that unless I was on the mic, it, it wasn't breaking to go to, to the recording here in this studio. I've done all the work to make it, and I was able to dial the compression way back because right. there's no noise except when they were building a building next door and, and uh, grinding the floor with a sander where right. I needed. And matter of fact, the next weed shop's starting construction next week. Uh, so uh, we'll probably have some banging again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Todd, have you noticed uh, something that's missing from my, my recording? Uh, no, what is missing? Trains. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but what has arrived in your recordings is... Is Echo. Is Echo. So I'm going to give you a little advice here. There's a great company. Uh, is there now? Yep. That does absolutely fabulous work. And uh, you should talk to the folks over at Audimute, A-U-D-I-M-U-T-E. I'm, I'm very familiar with yep. Audimute. Talk, yep. to, talk to Kevin over there. And uh, K E A V A N. Talk to Kevin over there and get yourself some uh, some sound panels for the. And you can even make them a design, like the new well, media. Well, I thought that uh, you could get me a deal on that because I, I thought I, I, you had a close relationship. With that's the, I just gave you the deal. <laughs> you to call him and you tell him, hey, I I'm a you know I do uh, the new media show with Todd. Uh, I need some sound panels for my room and I want it to look cool. So. Right. That, you know, I, I end up having this awesome bachelor's pad. You know, you got to tell him that I have an office and it's, you know, but you know, I'm a, I gotta, I gotta keep to keep things, you know, looking neat and he'll hook you up. Right. Well, I just haven't <laughs> hung pictures on my wall yet. It's either, not going to so. help it. You're yeah. It's it, not going to help. It's not going to help that much. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a wall of monitors in front of me that doesn't help either. Well, so. no, but the, yeah. the walls behind you, if you put, if you put pictures up, unless they're not enclosed in glass, if they're, if they're just pictures Fabric. with no, it'll still reflect. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we'll see how it sounds when you get some more, right. Some more pictures hung. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to fill the walls. Yeah. You got it. You got to go to Ikea and buy some furniture to put back there. Some books would help. Oh, I've already taken a few trips to Ikea too. I got some, some lights. So yeah, yeah. I don't buy Ikea furniture, but their accoutrements are pretty nice. Yeah. They're <laughs> designer, right? Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I, the best place to go for, um, finding stuff like that. What's it called? Let me see. Here's it. Oh man. I bought a, all the furniture for in here there so it starts with a w uh oh my god uh, buy furniture online let's see if i can google that see if i can find their google ad it's horrible when you forget the company's name wayfair yes, wayfair is the place Way, to go. wayfair yeah i am and get a pro account well, you can also go to art.com and you can get a bunch of pictures there. Too, yeah, Etsy too. Yeah. yeah. I've got a big window to my right and I have a big window to my left. So it actually is a perfect, you know, to let natural light in. Well, you can just, so. well, you don't want natural light. You you want to put, uh, well, you want a put, little bit of it. You want to put curtains over that and blackouts and then have your studio light set at 5,600. Right. There you go. That's right. But you do have a nice blue blueberry light in the back of your I got a blueberry. yeah I don't, nice I, nice little connection there yeah it is right. you know considering libsyn is green i don't think you want to have that green color oh, oh, in your oh, oh, oh. here we go I can, oh you're gonna change, change it that. i can change that on the fly oh see here we go so those right. of you that aren't watching let me go ahead and switch rob up to primary so you can see what he's about to do here <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, there you go. Now you got the Libsyn green. Since you called me out for it, <laughs> that's right. So you got the Libsyn, got the Libsyn green going on there. So right, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, 
So it's you it's know, the power of a mobile app. That's you know? right, and a and a and a device that has a LED light that's under control. <laughs> so, Todd, did you see the um, the Apple presentation? Um, with I, their new products? I was yeah. hot and heavy in meetings and uh, for stuff that we're announcing next week. And uh, no, I, I did not. But I went through and saw this new this new uh, $1,999 uh, studio uh, monstrosity. And I'm thinking I'm just going to stick with my Mac Mini and my iMac. Wow. But what... What a, if anybody wants to gift us one, though, we'd be happy to. Apple, you're listening. You want to? We could. We we could do a deal. Rob and I will talk about that every show for a while. Send us both. He needs one more than me. Need to get him off Microsoft. Oh, you, oh you're saying I need a Mac? Is that that's what right? You you know that would be a cool way to get you switched off of Microsoft products. Oh, uh, there you go. Well, I've got an iPhone, so I'm I'm halfway there, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm. It's kind of bad because, yeah, it's. It used to be I was a completely PC guy. I know. I remember those days. You know, and a couple of things happened, and I'm Microsoft as a company has done pretty well the last couple of years. Yeah, Apple's gotten a lot of my money over the past ten years. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. a lot. But it's kind of funny the trash can Mac Pro that I have because I have. uh, I don't know how many years that thing's, I've been running it. Knock on right. wood, it runs a lot longer how much it costs. You know, it's, I think I'm still depreciating it in my taxes. Um, it costs that much. This Mac Mini that I have sitting here with the M1 processor in it encodes as fast as that trash can does. So, <laughs> you know, there's no reason for me to buy a studio. Um, I'd rather have one of those monitors that they've come out with. Right. But again, I've had high-end color-corrected monitors and I don't do color correction. So what's the use of having a mm-hmm. $2,000 color-corrected monitor? And that's not my business. I don't need to be in that business. And stupid money to spend. Right. Hey, Todd, one thing, I, I can't remember if we've talked about the the whole deal with um, Spotify buying Chartable and Podsize. Yeah, we did on the last show. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did we talk about it a little bit? Yeah. I, I was just, it's kind of interesting. You know, they, I think that was an effort on the part of um, Spotify to try and think that they're going to basically buy the ownership of the podcast advertising business. In the it's a, for me, I'm going to be quite frank. It was the best, it was the best news I could have heard in a long time. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad kinda, they're taking Charlie off the table. Well, I think that the, Podsites, folks, is still going to r- remain a tool that external podcasts yeah. utilize. Chartable was more right. of a competitor to my statistics platform than Podsites was. So, right, PodTrack and I and us have both are both going to benefit from 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 Chartable. Basically, only going to be available to megaphone podcasters. Yeah, th- I do think that it was an effort on on Spotify's part to think that they could buy a a significant chunk of the medium. I, I think the counter argument to that is, is that it opens up an opportunity for a couple of new companies. <laughs> well, it, it does. Right. And, but here's the, you know, everyone's saying it's the, they were independent. Right. Well, not completely. They weren't completely. Chartable was being paid by media buyers 
Right. So they weren't completely independent, and that's understandable. But at the same time, um, you know, Podtrack spun into two companies, and it was trying to keep the, the measurement side separated from the sales side, but it's the same people. We talked about spinning off our stats at one time and making, you know, making it appear to be its own independent company. And, you know, we decided, no, that's dumb because it'll be the same exact people answering the phone for Blueberry as it would be for the people answering the phone for the measurement side. So we never, we never split the product. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stuff I had, I, it's no secret. It's a lot of the stuff I've I've asked my our users. What did are you using at Chartable that you can't live without? If Chartable went away today, that you would need mm-hmm. from us. And we've gotten some feedback, and you know, it's doesn't have to be. It's just this is just a a business opportunity for us and others. Yeah, right. I think it is too. It's it you know you know so. I'm sure you've heard of the name John Gruber, right? Mm-hmm. He's been a blogger. I think he was blogging about Apple, but he's been really kind of a tech blogger for a, a long time. Uh, he's quoted in saying, Spotify isn't just trying to become the biggest name in podcasting, which has therefore been, but may no longer be Apple. So he's making a claim that Spotify is kind of, possibly bigger than Apple now when it comes to podcasting, which I, I don't agree, but there Spotify is trying to usurp podcasting as we know it. One of the last and brightest bastions of open, simple, private, transparent internet and turn it into a privately owned gated, complicated, invasive, utterly closed platform. Spotify is trying to do to podcasting what Facebook did to having your own website. Ding, That's ding, an interesting quote. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. John has always been uh, rather blunt. I love um, it. Him and yeah. I, we, we have to have a beer with him. I hope he's coming to podcast movement. I doubt it. Yeah, I know, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, we see what they're trying to do here, but, you know, the guys over that do the um, Barletta, not Barletta, um, I apologize. I'm forgetting his name here. The guy that does the Sounds Exchange newsletter. Oh, sounds profitable. Uh, uh, yeah, sounds profitable. Brian Berletta. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, Brian. Um, he's like, well, there's no more independent voice, and you know, he's he was on that pretty heavy after that announcement, but. Is there's never been truly a hundred percent independent. There's always been some 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 conflict. So, in my opinion, there has you know. So, mm-hmm. but I think it's true. You know, we're we're giving uh, a lot of data. You know, by consuming podcasts on some of these platforms, we're giving, a, you know, our listeners are giving a lot of data to them. But I contend we wouldn't be growing without these platforms. So it's a give and take. 
And we can't yeah. go in a, we can't go and stick our heads in the sand and say, oh my God, because they now have all the data on listeners. So they already did. They've got mm-hmm. usernames and zip codes and credit cards and they've already got, they already know who their audience is. But right. I believe that's what they're doing is they're going to use this to try to see who else is a target for bringing into the exclusivity Bam. Yeah, it's a way to to find shows that that um, can be exploited by the they're up and coming the Spotify platform. They can bring them in as exclusives. It's a way to identify because um, a lot of the stuff, as we both know, and all the people listening to this know, is a lot of the data on shows out there is um, confidential. Right? It's mm-hmm. not publicly available. Um, so a lot of platforms don't know the shows that are you know what their numbers are unless they want to disclose them. And I will so. contend there might be room now for podcasters that want to put their numbers out there. Maybe they should. <clears throat> Our big well, issue before was people were doing that and we'd look at their numbers uh, that they were reporting publicly. Then we'd look at the stuff in our system and be like, oh, and it didn't match. It didn't right? match. So that's why we started a certification program. Well, that, you know, there are platforms, you know, I mean, I mean, this raises a, a topic that we've talked about off and on for many years on this show is that there are platforms, look at YouTube, look at, uh, you know, SoundCloud, uh, historically, uh, Spreaker, um, they played actual play data right on publicly on the website yeah. as a default. Now, Spreaker, to my advice, <laughs> um, took those numbers down because I I was pretty adamant that most podcasters don't want their numbers out there. Um, but I, there is something to be said for having that out there. Well, I guess people like to share their numbers when they're high. When they're high. But they don't like to share it when they're low. Because so, it, it makes them embarrassed. Right. And that's 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 where the issue comes in. It's absolutely the issue. Right. And you can't blame shows that don't want to show their numbers. Maybe, you know, they're working hard to build an audience to grow. Right. And it could be a detriment to them if they appeared smaller than they were. And you have a bunch of A-type personalities that are doing podcasts. And... So that's why we are very adamant that, and, and there's very limited number of people within our company that have access to people's podcast stats. We don't, you know, this is, right. we're, we are very concerned about the privacy of that data. Well, because it does, I mean, disclosure of your audience numbers, um, does tend to breed, um, audience growth with shows that already have audience, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't breed growth with up and coming shows and people will judge the show judge. based on their numbers yeah. instead of the content. content. Yep. Right. And that's, that's the trade off for it. But you know, you look at like a YouTube and they, they put that stuff out. Right? But I find that, you know, of the 60 or 70 YouTube channels that I'm subscribed to, there are some that only get 3,000 
podcast, I mean, uh, video views. And there's other ones that get a million, but the difference between the quality of the content is very narrow. Right. It's just that it's, that show has not been found or it isn't of a topic that people. Or isn't uh, subscribed to as much or click, you know, click the bell, you know, how every right. YouTuber claims in their show that they want their audience to click the like button. And, yeah. Yep. And follow, right? And fo- um, subscribe or wherever the button is. You yeah, know. yeah. They're they're always pointing down, you know, do this yeah. or do that or do something over here, right? Um, to kick yeah, your logarithm. It, yep. Yeah, and that's the key to driving those increased numbers. And it's just like the data that uh, is pulled by several services where they tell you you're ranking on Apple, you're ranking on Google, the ranking on Spotify, you know, and it's, to me... Um, it's good, maybe auxiliary data, mm-hmm. but is it going to help you grow your show? You know, if, if you know you're ranked 82nd in your category on Apple podcast, is that really going to help you? It makes you feel good, but is it really right. going to help you grow your show? Whereas let's say you aren't in the top 200, you're, you're 867, then you know, again, either of those positions is not going to help you grow your show. It may make you say, well, I need to do better. Mm-hmm. You know, I need right. to be more proactive in building my show, but is it truly going to help you grow? Right. And is it a, is it a indicator? I think, you know, it probably is an indicator, but you know, we've already know that reviews have nothing to do with Apple ranking. Mm-hmm. I've never paid attention to Apple ranking. It's, We've talked about on this show a dozen times. I've got shows that are doing half a million downloads an episode, and they're nowhere to be found in the Apple rankings. Right. Nowhere to be found. They're 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 like the only way you're going to find them is to Google for them. Right. And how's that? <coughs> yeah, it's not a true indication of show size. So Todd, I guess there's going to be some activity around podcasting at uh, South by Southwest coming up this month. Is someone asked me if I was going to South by, and yeah. you know we abandoned South by ten years ago. So what are they going to do? There's usually a panel or two. Oh well, yeah, it's not worth pay, paying eight hundred dollars a day to stay at a hotel and right. No. So there's also talk that. That I'm hearing since, you know, what's happening in the stock market right now is, you know, valuations have dropped dramatically for many, many companies and Spotify is one of them. I guess they've dropped in, dropped in half compared to what they used to be. And I, I, I guess that's putting them in the target range of potentially Spotify could be acquired by a bigger company at some point. So there's rumors about that right now too. You know, like a Time Warner could buy a Spotify or a, you know, a, you know, some big media company could could pick up Spotify. Hang on a second yeah. here. I got to send a message to someone. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I just got shared a document. Oh, you did. Yeah, hang on. See what else is going on. Um, I think we're almost at the bottom of the hour yeah. anyway here. Yeah. Um, but podcast movement's coming up. Um, 
Ambies on the on March 22nd uh, and the uh, Podcast Hall of Fame on March 25th, uh, mm-hmm. all in Los Angeles. So if you can make it to LA, I think it, it, it'll be an interesting event. Come out to. Um, I think it's kind of podcasting's coming out party, just like you know. And we had Dan on the program last week. So if you haven't seen uh, last week's episode with Dan Franks, uh, who's the, one of the co-founders of Podcast Movement, uh, I would definitely go check that out. All right. Sorry, I just got totally sucked into something. So distracted in the <laughs> I, middle of the show. I, I did. Right. <laughs> Irritatingly so. I'm like, why are you changing this? I've already wrote that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um so, yeah, so, anyway. so so sorry about that. Um yeah, so I we I guess we'll do another show next week cuz we're not and then after that we're we're going to be in uh, LA. Yeah. It doesn't uh, look like we're going to be doing a new media show at Podcast Movement. Okay. So just to let everybody know. Can't win them but, all. Nope. Not this time anyway. But we are on the docket for Dallas in the summer. Okay. Well, it works up good. On the, up on the main stage. On the big stage. On the big stage. That's the event to have it at anyway. All right. So, awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, we can we can pull the plug, get out of here since I got distracted. That's what you should never do is look at Slack messages during a live show. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, you have to be able to multitask, right? Well, yeah. this one is like, took my attention away. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Though I would love it uh, on the show, Todd, if we could, if, if we could with this show, get, get a couple of sponsors or whatever to yeah. the show. I think it would be... Um, cool to have to play around with these models a little bit. Now, granted it doesn't, the, the, there's nobody really doing this quite well with dynamic in, insertion content. So like shows that we do like this, right? Um, how could dynamic ad insertion work with a show like ours? We I guess have, it would, we just have, have to find, to be, the, we have to right. find the spots where they would go. Right. And it would be a post post-production published, dynamic insertion right. on the audio side. Right. Yeah, I would just need, need to know the marker spot that we wanted to, to go during the, during the show. Then we would pause during our production. You wouldn't even and, have to pause. You just, cause you can build the pause into the pre-roll. You know, it's, it's good to kind of build kind of like transition points in yeah. the content though. But right. you can't make it sound like it's a transition. No, point. no, no, you can't because there may not be an ad there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be like between us changing a topic, I think, is what it would be probably. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right, Todd. If you guys want, somebody wants to advertise, let us know. We will uh, happily entertain uh, your uh, your um, your advertisement. I don't think we would be up for advertising another podcast hosting company, but anything other than that, <laughs> I think we would be good. Um, so... Right. And if it is another podcast hosting company, you're going to pay big. (laughs) (laughs) A number number you can't afford. Right. Yeah. Pay through the nose. (laughs) Yeah. How much to run my spot for uh, my podcast hosting company? $800,000 per episode. (laughs) Well, this this show, at least historically, reaches a a fairly good yeah. chunk of the podcast community. Yeah. Those that so, care. <laughs> right. right. And the thing is, everyone that listens all probably already has a show minus a few people that are industry people. I would think it's, it's on the scale <laughs> of uh, the reach of pod news, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, we're we're pretty close to that. I think they're up to twenty three thousand. We're not that high, but yeah. yeah. So okay. All well, right. Everyone, thanks. thanks. I'm Todd at blueberry.com at Geek News on Twitter. Uh, I can be found on Twitter too at Rob Greenley. That's with two E's. And I can be uh, reached via email, Rob G at Lipson.com. And I do have a dot com, Rob Greenley.com. And yeah. uh, next week, we'll have lots to talk about. It's about stuff Blueberry's releasing next week. So, oh, it's the yeah, big week. It's the big okay. week. Yeah. Culmination okay. of things. Okay. Right. Everyone, thanks okay. for being here. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.